0: Welcome to the two-part podcast series, A Strategic Partnership, Medical Strategy and Medical Communications. This podcast series is a collaboration between the Medical Communications and Medical Strategy and Launch excellence Focus Area Working Groups. I'm Elise Blankenship, and I'll be the moderator for this podcast. I currently serve as a member of the Medical Communications FOG, and I'm the Associate Director for U.S. Oncology Publications and Medical Communications at Ipsen Biopharmaceuticals. In this podcast series, we will discuss how the evolving role of medical communications in medical affairs requires greater partnership and integration in medical strategy planning to improve overall medical affairs outcomes. The first episode focused on roles and responsibilities of these two groups. For this second podcast, we'll focus on defining best practices and key performance indicators for the collaboration. We encourage you to engage in conversations about medical communications and medical strategy with other MAPS members via MAPS Connect on the MAPS website or mobile app. Log in with the email address and password associated with your MAPS account and access Global Community, then click the Discuss tab and scroll down to Medical Communications to post a question or review previous postings. Today, I'm joined by two panelists with extensive experience in the partnership between Medical Communications and Medical Strategy. Simon Kiaga, Global Medical Director, Alzheimer's Disease of Biogen, and member of the Medical Strategy Fog, and Raina Genesia, Head of Scientific Evidence and Communications, Oncology, U.S. Medical Affairs at Janssen, and co-chair of the Medical Communications Club. The views expressed in this recording are those of the individuals and do not necessarily reflect on the opinions of MAPS or the companies with which they are affiliated. This discussion is for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or regulatory advice. Simon and Renan, can you each please briefly provide some information on your current position and your background in medical strategy and medcoms? Simon, please go first.
1: Thank you, Elise. It's uh, nice to be in this uh, podcast. So very briefly, uh, I've been in the industry for more than a decade. I started working as a clinician, as a medical doctor in psychiatry, and then moving on, launching several different products within the psychiatry and neuroscience field. So, That's my background in in medical affairs and medical strategy and medical communications.
0: Great. Thanks, Simon. I'm, I'm excited to have this discussion today as well. And Renu, can you give a little bit about your background as well?
2: Sure. Uh, So I, you know, uh, came to US for my postdoctoral fellowship, having a dream of having my lab and students and then reality hits. Right. And I said, Okay, this is not working. So I moved to pharmaceutical company almost 20 years ago, um, started as a medical writer, but then moved quickly to publications and other medical affairs, uh, medical communication functions. Uh, So, you know, have been very heavily involved in uh, medical communication strategy, publications, medical education, MSL materials and training. Uh, So, yeah, really enjoying this part, this role in medical communications. Great.
0: Thanks, Renu. So we spent some time in our first podcast discussing how this collaboration between medical communications and medical strategy is really critical. Um, from both of you, what are some of your ideas on best practices and opportunities for making this partnership successful?
1: Well, I, I think, uh, I mean, it's interesting to consider how medical strategy and communications fit, but I guess the best way to describe it is that the strategy without execution is just wishful thinking. And I think one of the most important ways to communicate or, sorry, to execute on the uh, strategy is exactly uh, communication. So that's the most important in terms of this uh, collaboration.
2: Yeah, very well said, Simon. Uh, I would say that uh, in my mind, medical affairs strategy is aligned with brand strategy or product strategy, right? And then medical communication strategy and data generation strategy both have to be aligned with my overall medical affairs strategy. So they go hand in hand, right? Overall medical affairs strategy and then what data needs to be generated to support medical affairs strategy and data generation is of no help or use if it is not communicated uh, strategically as well as effectively. So yes, medical affairs strategy and medical communication strategies go hand in hand and need to be aligned uh, from the beginning to the end uh, till it is executed. Yes.
1: Well, I I like what you're saying, Renu. I think it's, uh, I mean, obviously it's very important to to have an aligned communication effort uh, from all the different functions within the company related to a specific product. And at the same time, I think this is also where it's a bit interesting because medical strategy is usually aligned uh, to the brand strategy but there's also clearly different uh, requirements in terms of medical communication versus brand communication not least in terms of scientific uh, content so I'm sort of wondering Renu how how do you feel about that difference between the different ways of communicating around a specific answer
2: oh absolutely I I mean scientific communication uh, is very different than brand strategy right because brand strategy is all about on label Whereas um, scientific communication is based on what data is coming out, right? I mean, we don't really worry about its own label or off label or, you know, ex- where is it going? We just focused on uh, data that's coming out from clinical trials or data that's coming out from real world evidence or other ways. And how do we present that at scientific congresses? and present at, you know, and then publish it in peer-reviewed journals. Of course, we have to keep in mind what is the brand strategy and what is the medical affairs strategy. And of course, you know, uh, brand uh, or commercial colleagues can be part of the, when we are setting up the overall scientific communication strategy but once the content development starts then of course uh, the uh, commercial or brand teams have no role in that then it is totally focused on uh, scientific communications Simon I hope I answered your question there
1: yeah no no I think it, I think it's great and it also um, goes into sort of my reflection of the value of Medical communication internally. I think yeah, medical communication and study, of course, has an external facing uh, value in terms of providing the narrative around a specific asset, but it also has the opportunity to really help uh, sort of the internal focus uh, cross functionally to work together. So I think communication really serves as a tool to get everybody on board and work in the same direction.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and you've made a very good point, Simon, here that um, uh, yes, I mean, externally, of course, we should be going out with one consistent, you know, uh, communication of the data to to all healthcare professionals, to payers, to others. It should be, that's why I am actually very, very, um, you know, aware of that if we can leverage the content uh, in different, you know, channels of co- communication, that may be medical information, medical education, or publications or MSL materials. You know, if we can leverage the same tables and figures, it it just gives us a great opportunity to be communicating that data consistently uh, to to our external stakeholders and also for internal, so that they are all speaking, you know, uh, fr- from the same tables and figures.
0: Yes, very, very well said on some of those points on making sure this is the, the medically led part of the communications and that consistency piece. And with that in mind, do either of you have any specific examples on, on how the, the communication between strategy and medical communications groups can be used to further refine? Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking specifically, you mentioned uh, things like medical information, but other places, maybe
1: something like insights. I mean, I I think to your point, um, so I'm co-leading the medical strategy focus area working group at MAPS. And in many of our discussions, uh, we discussed the opportunity to sort of disseminate uh, medical uh, related data to ensure that we um, can execute on our strategy. But I think, uh, so in our group, uh, there was a comment on on the word disseminate uh, actually being not really appropriate. It's much more on the Communication that I think uh, it's uh, it's critical. So the other way around, of course, um, is to think about communication as a way to gain insights. I think, um, I mean, most of us have many examples where uh, our communicative efforts have led to a sort of feedback that has resulted in insights that have shaped um, the, the strategy.
2: Yeah, no, I'm so glad to hear Simon you talking about dissemination versus communications because I have been after maths to not use the word dissemination because that is only one way communication, right? I mean, one way uh, uh, talking about the data, whereas communication is basically scientific exchange, right? It's a, it's a two-way communication. So I'm very glad to hear that, uh, this, you know, you making that difference and, and pointing that out. Uh, Now, yeah, for examples, you know, uh, uh, Simon, you're very uh, right there that we collect insights, right? And insights are coming not only from medical information or MSLs, but also from advisory board meetings or when we have authors meetings for publications or roundtable discussion, right? How do we bring all these things together into an integrated report? so that we can act on it in a timely fashion. I mean, that's why the whole conversation about machine learning and AI, artificial intelligence, right, to kind of accelerate that making those observation into insights and insights into actionable insights. So one example, Elise, is that uh, I think I have talked about this at our medical communication working group. Uh, my scientific communication directors, they, um, uh, have monthly scientific communication meetings where all these key stakeholders are there. You know, medical information, MSL, medical education, medical directors, uh, scientific communication people, medical community all, everybody is there. So we look at that integrated uh, report, insights report. And uh, I remember last year, one topic kept coming over and over again, which was the uh, the the interactions you know a drug drug interaction between one of our products and we looked at it and we said, you know what I don't know if we have the data or not but then we formed a team smaller team, looked deeper into our clinical trials data, pulled that data and actually came up with the publication to address that question right and then of course went back to MSLs and medical information and said this gap has been filled. So I think it's not just getting those insights or making them actionable, but then really acting on that and then closing the loop. I I hope that um, gives an example, Elise, as you were um, trying to get into this podcast.
1: I think you make a great point, Renu. It's, uh, again, it's, uh, it's not only listening to the insights, but actually executing on the insights uh, uh, as well. And, and as you point out, the new sort of technological opportunities gives us maybe an opportunity also really to understand what these insights are in terms of quantitative metrics and, and, and similar. Apart from, from that opportunity, I do like the opportunity that you just mentioned to sit down with uh, uh, different stakeholders, external stakeholders to understand their view to inform uh, sort of the refinement of, of the strategy. And, and I, I have an example um, where we combined these uh, two different opportunities. So we uh, um, initially started um, working with an uh, asset that was in early development or fairly early development in, in beginning of phase three. And our, I think our main concern was how do we communicate the value of the treatment effect that this uh, asset could provide to the patient community, to the ACP community, and just to all the different external stakeholders. And this was challenging because in this area, in this um, disease area, there was currently no um, pharmaceutical treatment available. So it was the sort of the first time that we could communicate the medical value of this potential treatment. And the way we went about this was really to combine the opportunity for social media listening to get that broad opportunity of of insights from several millions uh, of of mentions uh, across the internet, but combining that with the actual uh, physical ad we're discussing with um, patients and ACPs. And this together formed essentially the core of the treatment value that uh, we put in our medical strategy moving forward across phase three and launch.
2: Yeah, great example. Great example, Simon. Yeah, mm-hmm. Those
0: are both great, great examples. Uh, it's it's always nice to hear of you know start to finish of how things have worked successfully and especially that you've both touched on some of those newer opportunities for technology integration as well and, and how this might continue to evolve in the future. Uh what, what a lot of those examples just focused on is how that partnership works well in those cases. And what I'm curious about is how can you go about demonstrating that that was successful successful partnership um, internally to to convey the importance of this collaboration.
1: Oh, I don't know, Renee, if you want to comment on this. I mean, for myself, I think it's uh, it is a bit uh, tricky. Generally, for medical affairs, it's uh, quite often fairly complex. But as I mentioned, I think the technological opportunities are increasingly making it possible to demonstrate that uh, successful collaboration overall I think when we are able to sort of shift and and really tailor our strategy based on our collaboration with um, medical communications this is a sign of, of great success and this is something that we can really pin down as we go through our sort of yearly annual reviews and, and similar
2: yeah no absolutely Simon I mean that, that's a great point uh, again you know as as you are saying that uh, if uh, in my mind, this all comes down to trust and relationship, right? Between the two groups and the people who are in these two roles. Uh, because we both are working towards the same goal, to the, t- towards the same thing. And if we have that trust and relationship, I have seen things work wonderfully. Uh, I, I mean, for example, that again, uh, uh, I did hear that for one of our products, there is a concern about you know infusion related issues. Um, reaction in there. Okay, let's put our heads together. Who, who really uh, uh, needs to know about this, uh, how to manage um, infusion-related reactions, IRRs, and how do we uh, work together to educate on this like okay who treats them nurses can we go to uh, oncology nurses society can we present the data there who sh- can we bring a nurse who was part of the clinical trial to actually present at this congress and give some practical uh, you know ways to handle or manage iirs and can we fund medical education programs which focus on aes but also including iirs uh, in there? Can we get a publication out on how to manage IIS? So it's like, I think, uh, I, I I would say that medical communications never works on their own. We are almost like a facilitator and we need our medical directors. We need our medical affairs strategy people with us to brainstorm and come up with solutions that how do we how do we get these things done to make an impact, right? Once all this information is out there, practical information is out there. You can see the impact of it. How how you know SCPs uh, are feeling comfortable or have questions or discussions, as Simon said on social media about these things. So I think it's a, it's a very close partnership um, if you want to be successful um, in in moving the data communication in the to the right SCPs uh, at the right time. In there,
0: that's great to hear about uh, those successes of everyone being in the same room and, and being able to get those discussions going. Once that's in place, are there any other typical challenges that may arise in the
2: in this partnership, and how can we overcome these? Yeah, so maybe I can uh, jump in quickly because we just went through this, you know, for ASCO meeting that was in June. So, as you know, that um, uh, you know, uh, there was a time when, if we published in high-tier journal, New England Journal of Medicine or Lancet or JAMA, we would say oh, our work is done. Not anymore, right? We know that that six thousand publications coming out every day, literature doubling every sixty-seven days. Just publishing is not good enough. How do we? add those enhancements or publication extenders like a video, a podcast, a plain language summary so that your know, HCPs can get to that data very quickly. So uh, it, it, there was a challenge that we uh, asked authors that you're gonna present this data. Uh, would you like a tweetable figure after your presentation to tweet it? And author said, yes, and please, we will need your help to get us that tweetable figure. But when we created that figure, there was some resistance, some pushback from medical directors who are, you know, still in their academic mindset, who, are, who still think that, oh, if you put an infographic in a publication, it suddenly becomes commercial looking, right? So though you have to kind of be patient and bring them along on this journey, that data is the data, putting it in an infographic or giving authors a tweetable figure is, you know, how it is going to help with that publication. So uh, I don't know, Simon, if you have faced these kind of challenges. Um. <laughs> well,
1: it's funny, Renew. Obviously, I, I, I faced it. And and I, I also had to work with myself, uh, also coming partly from uh, an academic background. So I think it's true that, you know, the the development of medical affairs is very clear that medical affairs is, is expanding overall uh, its role, moving earlier into R&D, but also later into commercialization. And I think this means essentially that the people who are working medical affairs they need to have other, other types of skill sets and, and um, experiences maybe than traditionally that was seen in, in medical affairs. So I think what remains crucial then is going back to the medical strategy to really you know agree upon what is the overall goal of medical affairs, but also cross-functionally. Uh, across the organization for a specific uh, asset. And and for me, I mean, it's also personal. That's why I joined the industry in the first place, that I think medical affairs and the pharmaceutical industry in general is just, just a fantastic opportunity to be able to sort of convey new developments within science into clinical benefit to appropriate patients. So as long as we keep this in mind, I think it's easier to agree And then in terms of the execution, I completely agree with Renu that we need to think about how can we move from doing things that we think uh, are are great, but actually when we look into the impact of those things, maybe they are not as great as we uh, maybe initially thought. And how can we develop and, and progress in terms of our communication?
2: Absolutely. And I think one point to add is that we all bring specific expertise or experience to the table. Right, I always count on medical, my medical directors for clinical interpretation, for clinical, you know, experience, and other things. But uh, I think if we rely on scientific communication, medical communications, on how the field is moving uh, in in presenting the data, that may be a video, that may be plain language summary, that may be you know, infographics, just relying on each other based on our individual expertise and and bringing that all together to come up with, you know, really moving the field um, in the right direction, I think is the key, rather than, you know, uh, questioning each other or challenging each other, uh, which is good if it is healthy, but uh, still keeping in mind that each person brings expertise and experience to the table.
0: Well said, it's, it's great to hear thoughts on how to work through what may be some typical challenges in getting those discussions ongoing, and especially when there's movement within you know, the field on, on both sides, as mentioned, to some new, new ideas and new ways of working. With that in mind, are there any uh, final thoughts from either of you on, on how the collaboration between medical communications and medical strategy and that partnership itself may continue to evolve in the future as we continue to encounter new ideas like these?
1: Uh, it, it's a great question. I mean, and for me, it's evident that uh, communication that we discussed uh, will always be at the core of what we're trying to achieve because we want to work with our external stakeholders to convey the you know, the value and opportunity that we can provide. But we also want to listen to understand what the needs are uh, uh, externally. So this collaboration between medical strategy and uh, communication will just be stronger and stronger. And as we discussed uh, several times in this podcast, uh, technological developments, I think, are very clear and we need to leverage those opportunities to optimize this communication.
2: Yeah, very well said, Simon. And uh, I wish we have more people like you, you know, as as medical affairs strategy partners in the industry uh, who believe in, uh, you know, this collaboration and and works well uh, from that point of view. I I would say that... uh, It is becoming more and more clear that you can have the best data uh, coming out of your clinical trials or other, you know, RWE or other kind of uh, studies. But if you do not communicate that well, and when I say communicate, that means really uh, presenting that information uh, to HCPs at the right time in the right format. The format they want. Some may want a video, some may want a podcast, some may want a, you know, uh, written, and some may would like to look at an infographic. So how do we present that data to them, to busy, busy, at CPs, so that they can, you know, look at it and digest it in like no time or in minimal time? I think that is going to be the key. That how do we present that data in an omni-channel? Uh, busy HCPs and get their attention uh, so that they can make right choices, right decisions for their patients. Uh,
0: Great. Thank you both for sharing your thoughts on this. A lot of interesting discussions on this topic and this partnership that we've been able to go through today that um, also reflect those that were discussed in part one of this series. So again, thank you both for sharing your thoughts, and I want to also note that if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in going deeper on the topic, a white paper was recently published on the MAPS website, and you'll find the corresponding link in the podcast information. If you are a MAPS member, thanks for your support of MAPS, and if you're not yet a MAPS member and would like to access additional resources, please visit the MAPS website and explore joining today at medicalaffairs.org slash membership.